You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Mottier, and I'm here today with Jimmy Fong, Chief Commercial Officer at Sion. How are you doing today, Jimmy? Yeah, right. Great. Really good to be on the show. Thanks for having me. That's an absolute pleasure. So today we want to speak about product-led growth, which is a very interesting topic. But before we go into the, 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 the detail and start the conversation, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself as well as the company you represent? Yeah, sure. So in a real quick summary, ever since uni, uh, I've been uh, fortunate, uh, kind of landed in the tech space. Uh, so back even um, at the last financial crisis is kind of when I entered the e-com and payments world. And I've been uh, everywhere from individual contributor uh, up to team lead, up to kind of managing enterprise sales teams responsible for region and rev, and then more laterally uh, helping at uh, as CCO over at uh, an early stage uh, risk tech startup. So kind of pre-Series A and uh, responsible for sales and marketing uh, for us. Uh, but as we'll go into today, it's a bit of a funny scenario because we like to do it very differently at Seon. Uh, so we are uh, very product-led. And uh, almost anti-sales, which is kind of weird, yeah. right? It's, it's different. Hey, it's got to be difficult if you're the chief commercial officer. <laughs> <laughs> put you in the room at the back of the office or something like that. Uh, it, it's uh, but it's interesting because I would have thought that you know a product-led growth conversation would probably be led more by a a, a product marketing person, if you will. So that, yeah. that, that's why I like I like the topic. I find it relatively disruptive coming from the chief commercial officer. Yeah, indeed. Um, and I think it, it, it suits well into some of the biases I had in the, in the 13 years, uh, ever since I was involved in kind of tech sales, tech rev. Um, just over that time, it's not, you know, obviously enterprise and sales works. Of course it does. Nobody's saying that, but there is a slight shift in the way that buyers buy that. And I think what PLG product like growth taps into is that kind of macro, the much wider view that is slowly shifting slightly. Um, and as we'll go into, um, generally, the more in SaaS things become competitive and saturated, then things like product-led principles probably stick out as a bit of a competitive advantage for what you do, especially in what we do. We're in fraud tech, which, yeah. man, that's been around like 20 odd years, right? Uh, cybersecurity it's is massive. Yeah, it's super. super. It's a different way to go about it. Yeah, and it's, it's complicated, right? I get it from the other side of the fence. If you've got a risk and fraud problem, um, man, it's so hard to find you know relevant tech for what you need. And when you do, it seems like there's 10 other options at least for what you do. Um, so I think some of the principles we'll go into and, and share, um, they, they're not totally divergent from you know kind of what we do at sales, but they just put a different twist on how that um, dynamic works when you engage with a buyer. That's the, the yeah. kind of key thing. Yeah, so I would have said that you use, use product-led growth in, in two different aspects. One aspect of acquisition almost and one aspect of retention of the customer. But, but let's, let's get straight into the practicality of it. So how do you, how do you apply that concept of product-led growth uh, at CN? Yeah, lo- lots and lots of ways. And I think, I think what's good is we go back to first principles with tech. And, and that's kind of mainly my background is even though being on the rev side, Ultimately, I've been really fortunate to align with companies that were seen at the forefront of what they were doing at the time, um, and then were you know successful enough to be acquired. Quite frankly, so acquired by the likes of Visa, the likes of Amex, and the likes of Ingenical Payments over the last three kind of uh, adventures. 
And but all of them, it was about trying to find the tech that was seen as the cutting edge at what they do. So your conversations with prospects ultimately go back to that first principle of having something that really helps straight away. So what we do at Seon uh, to make it practical in terms of when we talk about product-led growth is we try and do things uh, very differently from the traditional engagement model if someone's trying to buy something, especially in fraud tech. The three uh, things classically we always talk about is, um, man, go, go ahead and do your research online and find competitive solutions and just try and do three things. Number one, uh, try and first of all, find out the pricing for it on their website. You know, that's a pretty kind of low barrier to what you want to, uh, you know, find out before you buy something, right? It's just what the heck the pricing is. Number one, the pricing. Number two, try and go ahead and if you're interested enough, book an actual demo with someone in the next 30 minutes. Try and do that. If you see a demo page, it's generally a proxy for contact us. It's really frustrating, right? It's just a, they'll get back to you whenever they get back to you. And chances are they're going to qualify the heck out of you because if you're too small, they're not going to help. And that really, that's really frustrating. And then thirdly, and this is our bigger bet, it's going to move very dev-led a lot of these decisions. And it's going to be experience of um, how somebody interacts with your API, how quickly it is to use. Is the documentation understandable? Um, can someone get you in, in their product roadmap? And that's about sampling a bit of value before you even have to interact with a human. So those are the three things that say, and we believe unbelievably strongly in. So, so our website is our shop um, and it is the main interaction point uh, for our customers. So you can book a demo straight away. You can uh, sample the product. And thirdly, you can see clear pricing. Um, everything about PLG is about transparency. And you can do all that without interacting with a salesperson. Yeah, spot on. This is cool. Okay, cool. I get it. So, so, so it's really the sort of self-service kind of, okay, you know what? We're going to be very honest with you and we won't do what all our competitors think is the right thing, which is, hey, I'm going to call you and I'm going to try to absolutely tell you that I need to meet with you. Then when I meet with you, I will try to force a demo on you that you may not want to see, but that's my process. You know, we want to do a demo. We want to show your stuff. And then at the end of the demo, I will ask you if you've got a project. If you don't have a project, you'll never hear of me again. And, you know, so, okay. So, so basically what you are trying to do there is almost educate the prospect online with full transparency and almost building up that sort of relationship where they would trust the brand a little bit more by the time you engage. And, and, and I guess by the time you engage, you've got a better qualification or a better positioning from the prospects is of his interest towards your solution. Yeah, that's, that's 100% it, right? And just to extend on that, so the other way to look at it is um, the dynamic of the engagement. Classically speaking, an enterprise, um, mid-size up, enterprise upsells, right? It's a, it's a top-down approach. That's why you go ahead and work you know, with a partner like you to get interest. But then also when you engage your own in-house team, those guys are probably engaging at CX level or exec level to try and get sponsorship. Why is that the case? Because classically, they're dealing with complicated problems that need some sort of like endorsement from the top down. The bet we're making is the SaaS world is moving more and more towards bottom up adoption. So we've seen this in other domains like Slack, like Twilio, where essentially the end operator has a problem and the end operator is trying to look for a tool online, as we all are, as we all are consumers, right? We're all researching the heck out of stuff. And they want to kind of experience value to, so, to help their day job, day in, day out. And so our kind of uh, approach is by enabling those kind of bottom-up or operative people, then they're the, they're the early fans. 
and letting them do free trials, letting them experience the product without any uh, kind of friction means that we're not saying top down uh, doesn't exist. Of course, you know, we're, we're adding in an outbound component to what we do at Sayon, but it makes the conversation so much richer when you can turn around to the CIO and you can say, Hey, I, I see that your team has already been utilizing our product for the last six months and their usage rate is this. Can we have a chat about, uh, you know, about this, um, in a, in a wider scale? That's a much more rich conversation, of course. Now no, I appreciate that. That makes perfect sense. Do, but do you, do you believe it's that, that product led growth strategy is, is relevant for companies who have a much more complex sales cycle? So what, what I'm talking about, yeah, when I, when I speak about complex sales cycle, because there is lots of interpretation for me, it's kind of the multi buyer personal journey. So I'm coming with something, you know, Slack is very successful, but technically you could have WhatsApp, you could have Skype for business, you could have lots of other stuff, but Slack is just cool. Everybody wants Slack because Slack is cool. But, you know, some of our clients have a very disruptive solution. They're basically creating a category for themselves because no one did what they had before. So do you think the sort of strategy that you've got in place at Sion could could be applied to the more complex cell cycles? Well, first of all, you may have to kiss a few frogs before you think you find your prince charming and the guy who can actually sponsor you or actually take some money out of their pocket to 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 finance your project. But also when you get there, they really want a you may have to do a proof of value that is already asking for a certain level of commitment from the prospects organization because they may have to give critical information or they may have to open up some servers or whatever it is. Yeah, all those dynamics are like Ray, the reality is all those still exist. And in what we do with risk tech, fraud tech, that's really complicated. That's a, that's yeah. a really, that's full of lots of dependencies, lots of data security, lots of data, right? And uh, yeah. in this time and age of GDPR and being based in the EU, it's a, it's a really tricky thing. So this actually happens to us as well, uh, for sure. So I think the key principle when looking at something like a product-led growth is to take away um, concepts like time to value. That's really what you're looking to get the prospect to experience. Now, we segment our product. Uh, so there's lots of different use cases which you can use us for, as most fraud tech you can. And it's about trying to package it up so that little bits are understood and you can essentially sample something tangible, which is easy to do without necessarily having to uh, do a massive, complicated project. That's the first thing. So time to value. So when we talk about product-led growth, um, a lot of our analytics and data and measurement are around trying to help convert customers uh, to something that gives them a light bulb moment or an aha moment. So the cool thing from this, um, Ray, is these are B2C concepts. These aren't just B2B things. Yeah. So I'll, I'll use an example like, you know, look at Spotify, look at Netflix. Like you can bet they're spending their gazillions of research with data scientists checking when you download that product, how engaged are you quickly? And they're adjusting everything, right? From A-B testing, the language they're using, to the CTAs, the call to actions they're trying to tweak you towards, because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get you to experience value as soon as possible. We all know this intuitively, but where it's not being well adopted uh, is in certain spaces. I would say payments and fraud is a little bit behind, but in SaaS, this is very well understood. That's the the way that we go uh, at Sayon about it. So the more complicated, I would argue, the more ripe it is for PLG. Okay. So what concept do you think? So you, you just started to mention that. So what concept should we take from B2C to apply to B2B in that, in that particular instance? Well, what, what would be the, 
the key tactical things that if, if I'm starting my journey, I, I should do straight away. I should be looking at straight away. Yeah. So the bar is set really high from an experiential point of view, right? We are now conditioned uh, with all the same things we get from our B2C experience. We should be thinking about from a B2B point of view, incorporating those. So some of the ones we have, for instance, at, on a tactical level, are one of the objections to any risk and fraud tech is it's such a complicated pro- project to go ahead and do if you are doing it, even when you experience time to value. That just gets you over a certain hill. But really, uh, for us, it, you don't really see value until you're live with a live environment and you see live transactions. And that's the reality. No matter what anybody says, that's the reality. So for us, we try and flip on his head. So for us, we don't have multi-year contracts, uh, really. We're more like Netflix, where it's a 30-day contract. <laughs> and it, it, it's a complete flip because nobody else does that. And the, But the psychology behind it is, man, it puts all the product risk on us as a vendor, as a SaaS company. And it's designed so that it's de-risking from the CFO's point of view. That's, that's, a, that's one B2C concept, right? Is that we're all used to that. Imagine Netflix tried to tie you in for a year. Right, that would suck. And you, yeah, yeah, and, no, I, <laughs> you know what? My next question is about how do you apply that to the service business world? And I think you know this is this is something that we realize as well. We realize that for because we are a service company, mm. and you can go and get the twelve months contract and stuff like that. But the barrier is like people are like, look, we need you to prove yourself. And and if the if the service is good, if the software is good, we want to keep going. If it's not good, we want to be able to change. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, and you know, the reality of situation is, is think about the back psychology for someone to choose, say, working with you guys. It's not like a quick decision, right? There's a lot of, uh, kind of logic. There's a lot of justifications, a lot of business case. And by the time someone's actually invest that time with you, uh, it'd be very rare that somebody would ramp you up, uh, for 30 days and it would suck. And there was, and there was no repairable way to kind of do that and turn you off because that's not what both parties want. They want to make it work, of course. So that so it does it does make sense as well. But I get it. We're moving from a legacy world of booked revenue. Some of this is accountancy legacy um, and how SaaS companies have done it, especially in payments and, and fraud. But for us, that's a that's a that's an easy thing we can learn from the B2C world. Other concepts in the B2C world, the level of measurement on analytic usage. So if you're going to go self-serve, like you know what Seon does then you better be great at measuring all those interaction points behind the scenes because then you can start segmenting your users and you can start doing things like um, uh, communications which are appropriate. So the person that starts a trial account doesn't ever actually go into the system and interact with it is very different from the one that invites 10 teammates and the 10 teammates start uh, you know, using the system. So you want to start segmenting so that way there's clever enough communication that's appropriate for that user and what we think about at Seon is trying to spend time with the ones which win instead of the ones which aren't going to engage. So we're not trying to push a, a rock up a hill, right? Mm-hmm. We're trying to work with the guys that get value. Um, it should be mentioned, we're, we're early stage. So we're all about trying to get fans. So that's why these B2C concepts are so key to us because we don't care about converting the whole market yet. And we care about finding you know, those fans which are going to turn around and talk about net, be net promoters of Seon. So to that question, what was kind of coming to the back of my mind? I've been I've been in a few conversations with investors, VCs, PE companies, investing into startups, and they're like, no, 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 no. Thirty days. You need to have recurring revenue. You need to have multi-year. We speak about ARR. We speak about valuation. So 
Do you think that product-led approach, I mean, we're speaking about the, one of the tactical aspects, which is like the 30 days kind of notice at any time and, you know, self-serve type of stuff. But do you think this is something that would be sustainable for you, let's say in five years from now, 10 years from now, or would you have to move to a more traditional subscription? Because you can, you, you're now like the, the equivalent of a sales force. You're not the equivalent of a service now. You're not the equivalent of a Slack. And Slack probably can go to their clients. And if someone wants Slack, they want it so bad. So look, it's 12 months minimum. And that, that's fine because I want it so bad. All my friends use it. So do you think it's sustainable in the long term? Or do you think you will have to, you, when you can afford it, you, you may have to change that from product-led to a more SaaS, big company type of approach? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we, I remember the SaaS numbers came out a little bit earlier this year. And they reported uh, a significant portion of their rev uh, when they passed uh, X billion in ARR was down to enterprise. Now, Slack, you never thought of like as traditional enterprise, but it makes sense, right? Look how big they are now. That's where their market is. So I think everyone adapts is the short answer, uh, right, um, to this. We're at the stage where we're just three years old. So we get, we're in the very fun stage, right? <laughs> we're, in the, we're in the, hey, we've got a bunch of uh, early adopter fans. And we're just getting, we're getting dragged into bigger and bigger deals. Um, we're trying to keep to ICP, ideal customer profile. That's very important to us. But I would say inevitably, we're already being dragged into deals where the customer wants, Hey, we don't want to sign a 30 days notice. We, we love the idea, but actually we need you for six to 12 months because it takes us a lot longer to go ahead and find redundancy if uh, something happens. So the, this is already happening organically, of course. Maybe onto that topic of uh, VCs, uh, kind of investment and how they look at KPIs uh, like us. So if we're PLG, then I would say that it just moves the type of metrics that we that they look at for us slightly different, but it's the same basis. It's still um, monthly recurring revenue, MRR, and it's the velocity, right? It's how much growth are you still getting? And you, know, you can still measure churn from that, and you can still measure uh, ARR, extrapolate ARR from that as well. And so th- those still me- those same metrics are very much still being tracked on our end. That's no different. But using PLG, I think the fact that we have, you know, like a thirty days notice, isn't so much a barrier because other SaaS companies has kind of is kind of become more standard now uh, across other SaaS. And you can measure the churn. The the key is you know is the churn ramping up. Uh, you know with that the the tricky thing from our end we've had that from day one, um, and it it goes back to um, Ray for us the founder story of Seon. You know, literally two young, smart guys out of Corvinus University in Budapest. They were a crypto exchange initially, and they were hit by fraud. And they, they looked at the market because um, they needed a fraud solution right there, right then. Otherwise, they're going to burn. And there was great solutions out there. There's brilliant solutions. But they would all take weeks, if not months, to get up and running. And they, they didn't have that affordability. So everything about Sion was designed around that principle, um, around kind of no barrier commercially to kind of getting up and running. It's, it's, it, it's, some of our customers call us, um, I don't know if it's good or bad, but the stripe of fraud prevention. And I think that's a good analogy because in the same way for payments that they made it so easy to work with them, it's kind of what we're trying to do for the more complicated world of fraud and risk. Yeah. Well, thanks for your insight, Jimmy. We, we, we're getting to the, the end of the, of the session today, unfortunately. And what we, we, we ask usually at that, uh, at that point of the, of the conversation is if people want to carry on the conversation, pick your brain up and, uh, and carry on or discuss about CN and speak about your solution and how you could add them. What's the best way to get in touch with you, Jimmy? So our website, Seon.io, is a, is a great place. We're reachable, uh, you know, pretty much most times uh, in there. Uh, funnily enough, I'm manning the chat just now. 
Uh, so if they really want to get in touch during working hours, uh, I'm, I'm part of the chat team just now. Uh, otherwise, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, so just my name, Jimmy Fong, F-O-N-G. That's perfect. Well, many thanks once again, Jimmy. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Great to be on. Thanks, Ray. Thanks again. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.